What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a new podcast. I believe that this is episode number 25. Yes, that's that's pretty incredible. It's very incredible. It's, yeah. it's been a journey, man. I can't wait to get to 100 episodes, but 100. I was watching Joe Rogan last night, like I always do every single night. And, dude, he's at like 1,300 episodes. That's crazy. It's unbelievable, man. That's so many. And some of his podcasts are four hours. Four hours of talking with That's four like, people. I would have to get like snacks and get really comfy <laughs> and like make sure I have the right chair. You'd have to really be into not only talking, but if you're if you're consuming that, dude, you really got to be invested in it. Because yeah, we were talking about Tiny Meeking, how their podcasts are an hour and five minutes. I barely want to click that. I'd rather go to the highlight channel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I find it hard to click on anything over 30 minutes. That's why I think the 30-minute format for ours is so perfect. I'm sure that we'll do longer ones in the future, um, but this is just what has worked for us, and I think once we evolve into it, maybe. Yeah. But I think that having consumable content like this that's quick is just is a lot easier. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the last two weeks, uh, if you've been following the podcast, you know that my new roommate, Fat, he introduced me to a new Netflix series called Drive to Survive. Wow. Yes. What what a journey so far. It's so good. Yeah, one of my friends actually from San Diego, he's not even a car guy. He said he watched it and he said it was incredible. It's unbelievable. I mean, anyone who's not even into racing or motorsports in any kind of way, the way they film the politics behind it and the money and the operations of Formula One, of Formula One racing is so mind-blowing that it's opened up a whole new world of what F1 is really about. Yeah. It's about money. That's the main yeah. thing is who has the most money, who can put the most money up for development, for building these cars, and who can become the fastest. And a lot of these guys are at mercy of just their bosses. Yeah. Snap of a finger and they're gone. If they, if they crash too much or if they're not good attitude or if they're not bringing what they need to the table, if you have money, you're okay. But if you're... You know, if you're some of those guys sitting that are, you know, 10th place or, or behind more, your, your chances of staying are very slim. Yeah. And it's, it's funny too. Cause like, I know, um, well, we, we've been talking a little bit about it, but like the Williams team, yeah, they have that, you know, Lance, uh, I think his name's Lance Stroll as like their main sponsor or maybe, maybe he's like owning part of the team now, but he's a billionaire. So he has tons of money. I guess it just depends how much he wants to spend each season because some 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 uh, teams like Mercedes AMG, they have like 800 mil well, a year. They have unlimited resources where yeah. there's like a, a class A and a class B and it's like Mercedes, Ferrari and Red Bull are class A yeah. because of how much money they have based around the cars they sell and the products they have in the media and stuff like that. And then you know, people like Alfa Romeo and the other teams, they fall in the class B. They don't have, uh, you know, a half a billion dollars to say we need to develop a new car or we need to do, you know, faster wheels or different tires or like all these things for development where it's just hard for teams that don't have money to do that. Yeah. They have to work w with what they have. And that's why you see the consistency between those three companies because there's money behind it. Yeah. And I'm sure some other team will come up and say, hey, we have a new investor. We have another hundred million. We're going to catch up. Yeah, and one thing I, I found pretty cool was that Haas, um, they actually did a really good job. I've only seen the 2018 season um, of this show. I'm actually I just started the 2019 one, which mm -hmm. is season two uh, of this show. I started that last night, so definitely not finished with it yet. But 
Um, it seems like Haas did a really good job for only being three years into, you know, they've only been a team for three years in Formula One. So And they're the only American team. Yeah, which is really cool. But what I heard is that they've kind of like Frankensteined a car because they've taken parts from different teams, um, like the best parts. Yeah. And they just paid the, you know, the really premium cost to get those certain parts. But it's worked well for them because their cars have been really good. Yeah, and they have a really good team too. And they're they're experimenting where you look at Mercedes and Ferrari, they've had how many races have they been in to learn and to have mistakes and to correct them with yeah. with Haas. You know, they're looking at realistically under a hundred races so far, 150, whatever, where they've had to learn how to get better drivers, learn how to teach their drivers, learn how to change things on the car. And yeah. it's so much that goes into it that with their performance is pretty good and they have a really good team leader, the 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 principal, or I guess you could say the the leader of the of the whole team. He does a really good job at controlling how he reacts, and that's one thing I've yeah. learned so much about watching F one and how these guys react. That you spend all, let's say, you have a hundred and fifty moving components to a race, and that's between the pit crew, the guy who screws on the wheel when he comes in for a new tire. You look at the girl who does the social media. You look at the the person who's in charge of building all of the mobile rigs for all the TVs at each pit lane. There's all these things that you have to think about of how expensive F1 is that in reality, when it comes to the racing part of it, it takes one mistake to ruin a whole race. Yeah. One. So if, if you have, let's say 150 variables within those variables, there's thousands of things that can happen, whether it's software data, you didn't put enough gasoline in the car for the last two laps the biggest one, which was in season one, is the pit crew. They didn't tighten a wheel on yeah. two cars in the same race. Yeah, and they had to retire both of them. Both those race. guys got fired. <laughs> no points. They're out. Yeah. So one guy who happened to be on the right rear wheel, whatever, didn't tighten the wheel enough. He's yeah. gone. And that ruined a whole race for them, which if you're not familiar with F1, it's okay if you get fifth place. You're fighting for points. Yeah. Obviously you want first every time, but you know, if you're in fifth or seventh or even, you know, the higher ones, you still get points. So at the end of the season, maybe you can get second and third, and then maybe two races, you get eighth or ninth, you're still getting points. So you want to keep fighting. It's not like you only, it'd be great to have podium, which is first, second or third, but if you don't get podium, it's still okay. So there's a race that Fernando Alonso did where he crashed. He got hit by somebody. He had two punctures and he drove half the track back into pit lane with a steering wheel at full lock steering wheel was fully locked yeah, to the right yeah. and he was driving straight and he slammed against the wall kept slamming against the wall somehow got into pit lane got four new tires on the front wing and finished the race and got points yeah and that kind of mentality i think is what you need in f1 because a lot of guys don't have that and unfortunately like grosjean i you start you talk about this guy because i can't even figure out how this guy is still in f1 yeah, well, they show a lot of him in the first season. Um, and I've only seen the first season, like I mentioned. So, But it just seems like he's a bad driver. Like, he crashes so many times. I don't understand how Haas affords all the times he crashes and ruins those cars. They're million-dollar like, cars Yeah, and million-dollar parts. Yeah, and they, from what I understand, they don't have that much funding because um, they have, like, the one, obviously, team owner who's, like, some uh, millionaire. But... Um, yeah, it just seems like he screws up all the time, 
it almost seems like it was just mainly that season because a lot of a lot of times they said like oh he's had really good seasons before yeah he's won but i know he's won on the podium before and he's done great drive he's done a lot of you know solid driving but he it seems like every race there's always contact with him yeah. whether it's him or someone else hits him and then once in a while he ends up winning you know a podium yeah. So it's hard because I think that team is like, do we let go of him and try to find someone better and risk it? Or we know that Grosjean can win races, but we better put aside 20 million for extra cars yeah. for this season. Yeah. Because he goes through cars like crazy. Yeah. I think they need to replace him. I mean, I don't know if they do that. And actually, I forget who's in. What if he's watching this right now? He's going to DM you. Oh, no. He's like, hey, man, I didn't appreciate what you said. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think he's like. I think obviously he's a good driver and um, when they tell him to like kind of push the car, it's incredible what he can do. Yeah. But it seems like he overcooks it a lot. Like I remember, I think it was either him. It was either him or Magnuson, Kevin Magnuson. Um, I don't know why I'm forgetting which one it was, but they were doing practice or they were doing. It was in a warm up lap. It was either practice or qualifying. Yeah. Um, and they told him, okay, do do like a hot lap basically see what see what the car can do i want you guys i want you to push it and he did and he got a couple turns in and then just immediately put into a wall well i'm pretty sure what happened is he was warming up his tires no i'm talking about something different oh, this was like okay. later in the season okay i remember the one where he's warming up his tires and just slammed straight into oh the yeah wall. that was like insane how, i've how never seen that? that yeah i i don't know dude the the whole f1 thing is so crazy to me that i went to coda in Texas and Austin and I watched a race in person. Yeah. Very cool. Amazing experience. I had credentials at Alfa Romeo and I saw both the F1 drivers there in 2018. I didn't know who they were. And now that I watched them on TV, I'm like, Oh, those guys are famous. Yeah. So now that I've seen him in person and kind of had a chance to get, you know, near them, it's cool to see their backgrounds and their history and things like that. And I have a lot more respect for what goes into F1. I've always respected the yeah. business aspect because so much money and time and effort goes behind it. Yeah. If you think about it, you bring 100 to 200 people across countries, continents, with Formula One cars in these planes with all the cargo to set up at a track. You spend three days there and then right off to another country. Yeah. It's and, insane. I don't understand. Like, I kind of want to explore more of how they pack it all up and literally like move around to different i mean they go over the world yeah they're in asia europe uh north america they're everywhere and it's really incredible that that they do that um it almost seems like like how do they make their money back but there's just so many people watch it and so many people are invested in buy products like can you imagine the billing team who an accounts payable and like the accounting that goes behind the f1 team can you imagine how especially for like a a big one yeah can you, like you think about patronas you think about bows and you think about puma and you're like hey puma we need our check for 20 million for this race or we need our check for the year for uh, 50 whatever it is and then you start to look at all these checks coming in from all these major 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 sponsors where you think about like puma that's probably their number one spend or one of them is like, yeah. Oh, formula one. That's where we spend hundred million. It's yeah. crazy to think that that's one sponsor of, you know, 10 to 15 companies. And then you look at people like rich energy, who was a part of Haas. He was a main sponsor. He put up, yeah. th he put up $35 million. And that next season, the first six races, they 
had terrible, terrible experience. Yeah, he backed out. And the guy backed out. He's like, I'm not giving you 35 million. I'm yeah. done. Well, he made like an initial payment and then he never followed through. Which I, they never said how much it was, but pretty sure it was probably like a couple million dollars, which is like nothing. <laughs> That's nothing to those kind of guys. But it's just crazy to see how the, the politics of it, you know, and then you start looking at, um, you know, one of the dad, one of the guys that races, he's 22 and his dad owns the team and he's like the daddy kid and he gets yeah. made fun. I looked at his Instagram comments yesterday, the day before, and he just gets lit up with hate Yeah, and he, he's okay at driving, but you can tell it's like the, the daddy kind of situation. And then, you know, everyone else has a crazy upbringing. Like you look at Charles Leclerc and you look at uh, Verstappen and you see all these photos of them together when they're like 10. Yeah, little babies racing in go karts, and they're holding up these big trophies on podiums. And you're like, I understand where your background came from and how you got so good at what you're doing because you've been doing this since you were a kid, since an infant, yeah. pretty much. It's incredible, like how long some of these guys have been racing, especially since like, like someone like Lando Norris. He was just what 18 when he started. He's with like the youngest one right now. Yeah, and like, because for me, when I started watching, I was like, damn, I'd love to be an F1 driver someday. But I realized like it's almost it's too late. Like it's too late. I've never I've never raced in my <laughs> life. So like I mean, there is people like I think Fernando Alonso was like thirty eight, but he's also been racing forever. Yeah. So you can't really like it's something you have to basically have to, your parents have to help you with. You have to like, be born into, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise unless you just have some like insane special talent and you start racing when you're like 18 or whatever and then you work your way up over like five years but that's like so well you say, they say that a lot of people go into go-karting and then that's expensive alone and then people get into formula two and what happens is in formula two those formula two races are always before formula one so if there's yeah. a race for formula one there's going to most likely be a formula two race the day before or the yeah. week before so a lot of formula one team owners or investors will go to those races and figure out who's dominating. Yeah. So then they go, oh, okay, this guy won six races in a row in formula two. He's a great candidate for formula one. And that's yeah. exactly what they did for a red bull. They brought after, um, Ricardo left, they brought on a new guy. I forgot his name. He's, he's Ty. I forgot his name though. You'll see in season two yeah. and they brought him in and he, his first or second race, they kind of had issues, I believe. And then once they got him into a groove, he was able to go from 10th to like fourth. Yeah. And that's, that's huge points yeah. for Red Bull, especially when you have uh, Verstappen who, who wins the race and you're just like, you're, you're making these people mesh together to be teammates where you don't have situations where one of the, one of the races that one Red Bull ran into another Red Bull because yeah. those teammates hated it. They didn't like each other. Yeah. They were just like, I want to be faster than you. Cause it, it's a free for all. Even if you're on the same team, you're still fighting your teammates. Yeah. And they crash into each other, and they both were out of the race. I know. That's that's brutal. Because I always thought, like, oh, well, you know, when you're on a team, you're going to want either one of you to win. But no. no it's literally all personal. It's all personal gain and you'll, in, in you'll, Formula One. Because at the end of the day, it's to make more money and to be better. And some of these guys, actually all of them, are, like, insanely competitive. Very. And, like, I saw, um, I forget what season, I think it was season one. But when... um. Uh, what's his name? I think it's Oko Ocon, yeah, or something. Mm -hmm. Um, I forget his first name, but basically he like uh cut off Verstappen and basically made him crash, and then Verstappen like went into his like. Well, they were getting weighed. They were getting weighed after the race, and he went in there and shoved him. Yeah, and like so, to me, I don't really like Max Verstappen that 
that much. He seems pretty immature, but he's also really young. So, um, but yeah, he is an insane driver. Obviously, since like season two, since Red Bull switched over to Honda uh, for their engine, mm-hmm. they've just been, at least from what I've seen so far, they've been killing it. I don't know how they do the rest of the season, but yeah, they they dominate. I think I like Red Bull's approach, and I like how in this whole series they give you a view of what it's like and to see the McLaren uh, CEO or like the main guy of motorsports kind of talk back and forth. And then the Red Bull team leader talk back and forth about how they structure their drivers and how they look at people where, oh, okay, well he made a couple mistakes, but everyone stay positive. Yeah. Like the pit crew, Hey guys, don't talk negative. Let's bring him up. You yeah. know, he crashed and qualifying. Let's make sure that we keep a positive attitude. So when he goes in Sunday, he, he has confidence. Yeah. And you can see how, the whole entire team has to mesh together. Give him a pat on the back. Give him a high five. Hey, it's okay, man. No yeah. worries. Even though you just crashed a $2 million car and you got you went from P3 to P17, it's okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't worry. And those are the kind of leaders that create even more leaders where you look at Lewis Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton and he dominates because he has so much support. I know that he had a good friendship with Nicky Lauda, which he was a famous race car driver for a very long time. And Toto, his main guy who runs Mercedes, they all have such good friendships where when Lewis wins, it's a super big high. Everyone's yeah. so rushed of emotions. And then when it rained at a race and he crashed and then his teammate crashed, Valtteri Bottas, and they both were out of the race, you can see it tears them apart. Tears well, them apart. Especially since like they're so good. You know, they don't, they don't, recently they don't have that many lows. You know, and some of the some of the worst teams kind of have a lot of lows. So when they have that high, it's like incredible. Extreme. Yeah, but for Mercedes, they're kind of normal. It's at the top, and then when it's flipped, it's so drastic. Yeah. So I kind of understand that, and I'm curious to see how it kind of goes in season two. Since in season one, they don't really show a lot of the top teams, um, and from what I've heard. They show more of the top teams in season two. Yeah, they do. They focus more on it. So I'm excited to see that because, you know, the season one, the whole time they were focusing on like Williams and McLaren and which McLaren is really good, but they haven't been that great recent recently and, and Haas and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, well, I, I kind of want to know about, you know, how Mercedes season was and how Ferrari season was. But it's most of the drama is in those lower end teams. Yeah, that's where the entertainment comes from because those guys don't really care if they punch somebody or they break something or they overreact because yeah. it happens. Like Haas, when that one guy broke that dude's uh, office window, they didn't show yeah. it, but he, he went in there and he broke his window. Yeah. The team leader, and he's like, I don't need you. You can leave Yeah, like forever. <laughs> and you yeah. see this whole side, and, and one of the guys is like, hey, you're mic'd up right now. Do you care? It's like, oh, no, no, they're going to cut that out. And they left it in the, yeah. be- the beginning clip of season two. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Yeah. But I, it's crazy because you see throughout the video, some of the F1 drivers, or some of the guys are like, how does it feel to have Netflix here? Because obviously Netflix started the 2018 season yeah. and they were filming everything and it's a Netflix special. And dude, the, the filming, the structure, the editing of this whole series has got me st- not just hooked on it, but I pay attention. Yeah, I really, really enjoy watching that. Well, I don't, I don't know if you're the same. Obviously, you've been to an F1 race before, and you've probably watched a good amount of them. Um, but for me, honestly, I haven't seen F1 race in a long time. Like 
obviously I've never been to one, but on TV, I never really took any interest in it, in it because there was so much to learn. But this this series really broke it down and made it easy for me to understand. And I already know every single driver and all of the leaders of the teams. And it's really cool to kind of learn more about each person. Because um, now I feel like whenever the season restarts after this virus, I'm going to watch every single race. Yeah. And I want to try to go to one. And so I think this whole Netflix series is really going to help F1 Extremely. create a whole new audience or create a whole new generation of interest basically I, for the sport. I think so too. And same with like sim racing, sim racing is bringing a lot of younger people into motorsport. Yeah. And this Netflix thing is only going to help because it's, it's showing people the reality of it because F1 yeah. seems like it's so far out of reach for yeah. anyone to be a driver, which it yeah. is, but you got to think those 20 seats, somehow those people got there. Yeah. Why can't somebody else? So I have a lot of respect for, all these F1 teams on what they go through. And now when I watch it again, I'm going to be like, oh, I know what's happening in pit lane. I know what's happening over the radio. I know yeah. these different things of what these people are communicating about because in that episode, it showed his struggle. In this episode, it showed his strength. And you start to learn uh, a lot more about how F1 operates. Yeah. And I, was, I, I wasn't I was clueless. I just, I'd throw in an F1 race and be like, oh, Hamilton won. Oh, okay. Yeah, you don't know <laughs> much about him. But once you get an insight and see how he interacts with his team, and what he's really like as a person, it's interesting. It's very know? interesting. Because, like, the way they put it together is so perfect, almost. Like, it's obviously, I think the way they obviously put the series together is even better than just watching the race. Um, yeah, I think so, too. Because it's of way how more entertaining. detailed it is. Um, but still, it will be cool now to have that knowledge of every single driver and um, know the rules and stuff and the penalties. Because, honestly, I didn't know that stuff before. And that's kind of what kept me from watching it is because when you don't know what's going on, it's almost like, why are, why are you watching? It's just kind of dry. You're like, yeah. there's no depth to it. Yeah. But now I, I feel pretty educated on Formula One and um, uh, me and Nate got Formula One 2019 on Xbox. So um, we need to play that more. Yeah. But the racing games are so fun. I need a simulator, dude. Yeah. I've been, uh, it's, I mean, it's June 1st and a lot of companies just got inventory. Yeah. You know, all the Facebook groups I'm on, everyone's like, go, go, go. They're open. They're open. Yeah. And everyone's buying stuff. The demand is crazy. And TJ Hunt hit me up this morning. We were talking about, he's like, dude, I need you to help me build my simulator because he's Damn. building a sim room. That's sick. And I've been trying to help him with advice. He's like, can you just give me a link to everything? I'm like, it doesn't yeah. work that way, TJ. <laughs> they don't, there's no, there's companies out there that will do it, but it's like $30,000. Yeah. For well, like, if he wants like a legit one. Yeah. But like what I want is, the the Fanatec setup with a nice rig and a good TV. Yeah. And I, I want TJ to know that too, but TJ just wants to press a button and have it. And I'm yeah. like, it has to be, it's, it's, I would love to supply that somehow for somebody and be able to have a link for someone just to click it. But it's so, there's so many things you can choose. It's well, like a hundred options. I think, I mean, a good way of doing it is kind of like, and I feel like we mentioned this almost every episode, but like doing it, how obsessed garage does it pick your favorite things package it together somehow or put all the links together and then just if people people aren't going to question it because if they see that you actually know what you're doing and you built a sick like sim then people like tj are just going to buy it and like even though there is a bunch of options people don't need to know that yeah that's if true you, if you're choosing what you think is the best because people come to you for your opinion 
Yeah, I mean, I would love to put something together like that. I have a new sim coming too, and it'll be here in, I think, three weeks waiting from Sweden. And I can't wait to try it dude, out. Cause I can't wait either. I think that will like either make or break whether I want to get one for yeah. myself. <laughs> you'll, you'll want one. It's I'm, yeah, right now I'm, I'm kind of waiting because like, I have money spent on my actual car, so I don't want to get a sim right away, but I'm pretty sure yours is going to convince me. It's going to open up a lot of content for me and for fun and... Yeah, I'm ready to have something new like that. Do you smell a hot pocket? Doesn't it smell like a hot pocket in here? Smells like cooking something. Yeah, dude, I think that guy just made a hot pocket out in the kitchen. Damn. Damn, man, eating good. I might make something too. We just got uh, one of our friends that does meal prep. We're doing his social media now, and I brought in like 800 meals. We got a bunch of people in the office on it now, and yeah. our fridge is stocked up. And I asked him to make uh, extra meals for me. He made uh, meatballs this week. Dude, there's their turkey meatballs with like the seasoning and with uh spaghetti. Oh bro, I can't wait. Yeah, I, I gotta eat one of those. I just had uh I just had barbacoa with some rice. It was super Ooh. good. I, I might go to the grocery store because I I still feel like I need to get little things just to be able to make like a dinner or something. That's that's how I feel too. I need fruit. Yeah. But I also don't like don't want to whenever I go to the store, I usually spend way too much, which I want to stay away from that. And I just want to go and spend like 30 or 40 bucks. It's so hard to do that. I know. It's tough. I currently spend 80 bucks a week on my meal prep, which usually I eat two or three a day. And then in between, I'll eat kind bars or uh, some kind of protein bar. And then we have um, pop chips in the small bags, which is kind of the the in-between food. But I feel like it's a little bit too much processed stuff. Eating meal prep, you're a lot better off. But I'd like to have real food every day, so I I really want to go pick up a bunch of um, watermelon or mango or some kind of fruit. Watermelon. I need something, man. Something that yeah. can cure the the sweet tooth. Yeah, I feel that. I mean, when you're eating these all the time, it's. I feel like when you first start, it's you definitely still have cravings. Um, I mean, it tastes really good, but you have like those sweet cravings and stuff. Yeah. But over time, if you just keep pushing through it, you'll kind of get rid of that. I think drinking uh, like an energy drink or coffee or caffeine of any sort or tea helps suppress a lot of that. Yeah. And if you stay busy at the office all day, you really don't think too much about food. You can just kind of grab a bar, grab yeah. a meal or whatever. I think the biggest struggle for people is when you go home at night and you're like, oh, I'm going to go to the fridge and yeah. you find like, you know, some kind of sweet there. Or you got whatever. And you start to overeat because you're like, eh, I don't care. But I think. One thing that I've learned is the less you have, the better off you are. I don't have, right now at my house, I don't have anything. There's not yeah. one thing. I have two bottles of water next to my bed and that's it. Cause I live with the roommate right now. I don't, it's not permanent. I'm moving soon again, but having just the meals here and just a couple things around makes life a lot easier. You don't have as many options. Yeah. So when I go to the grocery store, you know, I'm not going to pick out a hundred things. I'm going to pick out like 40 bucks worth of stuff and just yeah. have that for a couple nights. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I'm going to start doing because for a little bit I was doing, I was getting like five or seven meals for lunchtime. And then I would go to the store and spend 80 bucks on like, you know, breakfast and dinners and stuff like that. But now I think I'm going to do um, seven per week. So for all the work days, I eat two a day. Mm -hmm. And then at night I'll probably have like a snack or something. But I'm really trying to like cut down because I want to look, pretty good for the summer even though everything's shut down and it doesn't really matter but yeah i i just want to feel better that's my main thing is i don't like having low energy and thankfully i don't crash anymore i don't have any afternoon like tiredness or anything like that and 
I fast in the mornings, which has helped me lose, you know, the 25 pounds so far this year. And I want to lose another 50. That's really ideal. I think I can, uh, I'm not in any rush. I'm not trying to do anything big, but I think when you're at the office and you feel good and you're walking around, you feel good. It's the best, yeah. it's the best thing ever. Feeling great is the most important thing. Having energy and being able to kind of, you know, do your thing without being too tired is it's the best feeling. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. I remember when I was like really fit and just had a ton of muscle and like not much body fat. I just felt like on top of the world. Yeah. You just have so much confidence. Like right now I'm not super confident in my body, but I know I can get back to that point if I really wanted to, to put the effort in. And recently I've been focusing on other things like doing YouTube videos, obviously working all day and um, gyms are closed anyways right now. So. Well, we're on the way and I think we're both able to help each other out. Yeah. Being here so much. And yeah, I think we got a good, good. Uh, I, th I think the best way to put it is we have a good direction that we're going. And I think when you have someone that enables you to be better, it's easier to do. Yeah. Cause we're both know, okay, we have our meals here. There's no reason to go get Chipotle. We yeah. have food here. We don't need Chick-fil-A. Okay. Maybe, yeah. maybe once a week, you know, go to McDonald's or go to Chick-fil-A, which is good to have that craving to get rid of. But on a daily basis, you know, I think it should be 95% good and 5% a little bit weird here and there. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on what your mood is. Yeah, exactly. But that's it, guys. That's going to be the episode number 25. Uh, we nice. All we ask is if you can, give the video a thumbs up if you're on YouTube. If you're on iTunes or Spotify, please go ahead and leave us a review. That helps us tremendously. Other than that, check out Parker on Instagram and Facebook, Instagram and YouTube <laughs> at Parker Rep at Spencer Thanks. Burke. Thank you guys for watching. Please subscribe. Thumbs Thanks. up. See ya. See you later.